Marking its 40th anniversary in 2022, Blue Door is the largest emergency housing provider in York Region, providing life-saving support to children, youth, adults, seniors, and families at risk or experiencing homelessness. Along with offering emergency housing and housing retention support, in the past two years, Blue Door has expanded its service offering to further work toward preventing and ending homelessness through inclusion, the first supportive housing program for two SLGBTQ plus youth in York Region. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, providing supported skills training to help youth and adults break barriers to employment and secure meaningful careers in construction trades and launching in 2022 a health hub which will include a nurse and in-reach system navigator to help people regain the health and well-being needed to secure and retain permanent housing. Join Blue Door's mission and become part of the solution by learning more at bluedoor.ca. We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squahomish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. Welcome to On The Way Home, a podcast dedicated to the issues surrounding homelessness and the incredible experts making a difference in the lives of homeless people. Remember to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you're listening and share it with a friend. Welcome to another episode of On The Way Home. I am your host, Michael Braithwaite from Blue Door, an amazing organization in York Region, just north of Toronto, doing great work in the areas of housing, health and employment. Check us out at Blue Door. And you'll see the variety of different programs we are doing in an effort to prevent and end homelessness and pull people out of poverty. We do not do this alone, my friends. It is in partnership with the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness. They're doing outstanding work across the nation. And right now, a big focus is around the conference happening in November this year, which is really, really cool. They will be in Toronto. You can join uh, that conference, you can go to the conference in person, you can attend virtually, it, it really is going to be both. Um, and get your early bird rate by signing up now for the conference. If you want to be a sponsor for that conference, um, and you're listening to this podcast, hey, uh, go to their website at caeh.ca, check that out, I'm sure they'd love to have you. They also are doing great work around Built for Zero, uh, which is really helping communities and homelessness it's it's there's there's so many communities across canada now that are part of that built for zero community that are see, seeing a massive reduction in the number of uh, people experiencing homelessness especially around chronic and veterans homelessness so check that out a great partner indeed uh, listen we have amazing guests uh, that bring a ton of useful information uh, to this show to share We've had live experts, experts in their field. Today's guest is no exception at all. Uh, we are so pleased to have uh, Julia Markovich, who is the acting advisor in research at CMHC. Our friends at CMHC have been very good to this podcast, sharing and dropping a lot of knowledge. Uh, Julia joined the research division at uh, CMHC in 2018 uh, with a career including think tank, private and higher education sector experience. She's focused on research and public dialogue as vehicles to solve problems. And 
if you haven't heard this on the podcast before, research is so important uh, to all the work that we do. We can't move forward without great research. And at CMHC, her work focuses on people who rent and the experiences they have as tenants. Also very relevant to this podcast, this includes a body of research she is leading on evictions with a new project created to help close off uh, data gaps. Trained in urban planning and human geography, she has work experience across Canada and in the United Kingdom. Julia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. Great to be here and uh, great to be part of this conversation. So great to have you here to drop some knowledge. We ask the same question to everyone who comes on because everyone's answer, there's similarities, but they are a little different because it really is personal to people. Uh, Julia, what does home mean to you? Yeah, I really, I really like that you uh, asked this question. I, I think it's a hugely important one. It's, it's a conversation I think we need to have a lot more of uh, in the housing space. And I think, I don't know how this compares with other uh, guests you've had on, on your podcast, but my idea of, of home, I think, has been hugely influenced by my having my housing taken away from me. So um, if I were to, to say what home means to me, I would say it's a sort of foundation, a kind of, um, you know, a support system that can both kind of literally and I suppose, uh, you know, metaphorically kind of stand you up and support you throughout everything else that you're going through in your life. Um, and ideally uh, can can be that support system for you throughout the rest of your life. So I think for a long, long time, you know, my idea of home, there was a sort of um, element of kind of permanence to it uh, bound up in, in that idea for me. Um, about eight years ago, I, I was renovicted. And so, you know, I, I will never sort of forget that, that moment and that feeling of um, as if someone had sort of grabbed hold of the floor underneath my feet and just kind of pulled it away uh, without any kind of prior warning or notice. And I'll never forget that feeling of sort of, you know, literally having nothing to kind of keep you uh, up and, and, and going and, until you could find some other place to call home. And so I think, you know, for me, the, the whole idea of permanence with home has obviously changed. And I'm, I'm very aware of that there are many, many people uh, in this country and around the world for whom they don't get to have that uh, throughout the rest of, of their life. But I still feel very strongly that home is, it really is that foundation. It's that support system that kind of, you know, holds you up and, and is there for you uh, no matter what you're doing in life. Wow. Thank you so much, Julia, for sharing that, that lived uh, experience with us. And, and I think so many people can learn from that because it's not, you know, home sometimes is something as a foundation we take for granted. Uh, we're, we're shocked in listeners. If you don't know what a renovation is, uh, really what that is, is when a landlord with the premise of, hey, we're going to renovate this apartment or this unit, we're gonna ask you to leave. And, and many times when uh, you are able to come back, the rent because of those um, renovations has gone up quite substantially. So it, it's named renovations because it's a way to push people out of their uh, current dwelling moving forward. Did I do that uh, justice, Julia? Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing that, you know, is sort of interesting about that, that word, and, and it's in such high circulation now, is in part the idea of sort of challenging whether in some cases there may not be a real 
renovation ever taking place. So as you sort of mentioned, it's a kind of potentially a, a loophole in the system that can be um, exploited at points. And, and we do hear a lot actually from tenants who um, are very aware that after being served a notice, they understand that there may not actually be a renovation taking place. So there's a kind of dual element, I think, to that, that word that's uh, kind of important and has implications, of course, for things like prevention and tenant support. I find it so interesting, and we're going to talk about your work in a minute, that, I mean, you're not talking about your work just strictly from research, but also as someone with a lived expert, uh, in a sense. Yeah. Has that informed your work around this? Absolutely. I think, you know, I, I joined CMHC about four years ago, and so that was about four years after I had gone through a run eviction, and, and, you know, one of the first things I had been asked to do was to come up with some projects to help, you know, as part of our research uh, activities. And I knew I wanted to do something on evictions, um, but I think it's taken me actually a little bit of time to fully realize that I, I kind of am channeling my experience into the work that I do. It's, it's no coincidence that I'm doing all of this kind of work and, and focus very much on things that happen to tenants. It is because I have lived through uh, a type of eviction, of course, I do recognize it will not be the same type of experience as everyone else, but it is a type of experience I've had. And yeah, I just feel like I, I have an opportunity here to kind of channel it into the work that I do, which is so uh, let's talk. important to me. Yes, yes, that's amazing to have that perspective. So let's talk about that work. You've recently released some amazing and important work around evictions with seniors and older adults. How did that come about? Yeah, so um, I mentioned that sort of first project that was created a, a few years ago now. And that was the first time we were kind of doing some more uh, research uh, at CMHC on, on the subject of evictions. Um, and that was a, a kind of foundational piece that was released um, last year. And, and um, one of the key findings of that project was that there are you know, different populations that can be vulnerable to evictions. And so seniors and older adults were identified as one of those populations and the research team had recommended uh, further study that specifically kind of engages with uh, older adults and older tenants and and tries to learn more from their their own lived experiences you know again with with a view towards what that means for things like eviction prevention um, just the broader effort around creating more affordable housing and also what it means for you know, other forms of tenant support uh, that would be required if someone is already going through uh, an eviction or, or forced move. Um, part of what I'm really doing here is, is trying to create a whole suite of projects that, you know, speak to each other and, and relate to one another so that all new work that's created sort of comes out of, of previous work. And so it's really a kind of body of research, if you will, on this topic and, you know, trying to... Um, pull up findings from completed work and trying to use that and, and spin out into future projects. And so this really was the kind of second in the series and, and the first one to really spin out from that foundational work. And, and so great to have that ability to do that as well, I think is also important. Um, so it's not a siloed, <laughs> you know, series of projects. Absolutely. Now, every time you take on a new project in this Let's talk about this project with seniors and older adults and evictions. Can you walk us through what the process is around that research? What are the, how do you put it all together? 
Yeah, so we, we have a lot of different, I guess, models here for how research can get undertaken, and, and this body of research just kind of reflects some of those models. So um, this project was created through uh, Part 9 funding, and so um, I had created and, and managed the project, and, and we had hired a, a team at the Institute of Urban Studies, the University of Winnipeg, to undertake the, the work, and, and um, they that team uh, undertook a number of different evaluation, so a, a review of literature around seniors and older adults, um, housing generally, but also um, evictions. They created a, a framework to help us better understand, you know, all the sorts of things that happen to people before they are evicted, as well as the types of things that can happen to people once they have been evicted. Um, and they did that also through interviews with um, a number of housing service providers in different parts of the country, so looking at um, Vancouver, Victoria, Winnipeg, and Greater Toronto Area, as well as uh, interviews with a small sample of older uh, and senior tenants who have uh, lived experience of eviction as uh, an older tenant. And so it was through all of that work, uh, you know, creating the framework and, and the report that uh, was released actually just uh, last month, so still quite, quite early days for the release. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project, or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. Fresh off the press. Yeah. Uh, and so you do this work, you go through the process, lots of findings out there. Can we talk about what are some of the biggest surprises uh, once the work was complete? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I've, I've given a couple of presentations on this work now, and I'm, I'm noticing that there are a couple of things that do seem to really surprise people or you know, even maybe just sort of challenge some notions that people might have about um, seniors and, and sort of tenants more broadly. Um, one is that, you know, for, the, for the, the tenants who participated in this research, affordability challenges were really kind of paramount. There are many different reasons why, you know, senior and older tenants can be evicted, um, but challenges around paying rent are, are primary. And for the people who participated in this project through interviews, they were um, living off of self-reported incomes of between, you know, 14, so 14,000 and 32,000 a year. Uh, that latter figure, I should say, was for a household of two adults, so, you know, effectively uh, divide by two. And I think, you know, when you kind of make that very clear to people that when we're talking about the kinds of affordability challenges that people are experiencing, I don't think you need to, to be a researcher or even you know, work in the housing sector to immediately understand just how far that amount of money could actually go in terms of providing someone with a, you know, a decent apartment in which to live. Um, especially when we think about you know, the rising cost of living challenges that we're you know, um, all, I think, quite aware of. Uh, but also through COVID, um, participants confirming, for example, that there were additional cost burdens around things like purchasing masks and sanitizer and all that kind of thing. And so when we 
you know, through this research, when we reveal that there's a, a really important need for more affordable housing as an important part of eviction prevention because of affordability challenges like this, you know, we really are talking about capital A affordability here, you know, for people on very low fixed incomes. Um, you know, if we were to sort of think of the 30% rule against those, uh, those incomes, you're looking at about $4,200 a year. I mean, that works out to about 350 a month, I think. I mean, when we're talking about, you know, the importance of affordable housing uh, as eviction prevention, we are talking about deeply affordable housing. And I think that kind of realization seems to really um, open a lot of eyes. Um, I think the other thing that I've noticed that, that seems to be uh, something that people are a bit surprised by is just, you know, kind of learning a bit more about what can happen to people following an eviction, um, including crucially the idea that, you know, not all tenants manage to find housing for themselves following an eviction. Um, we have learned through this and, and the foundational project that there is a you know, relationship between eviction and homelessness, for example. Not everyone who is evicted will experience homelessness, but you know, many people who do, um, who are unhoused are, are living without shelter because they were evicted. And so you know, this framework that the, the research team created really helped to make clear to a lot of people that you know, if there are still any assumptions out there that all tenants just somehow manage to find housing for themselves after an eviction, uh, this work confirms that that's not always the case. And in fact, in the worst case scenario, some people don't find any housing at all. Um, and I think lastly, you know, I think this work has been kind of eye-opening for a lot of people just through its, its focus on, you know, senior and older tenants. Um, you know, people living on you know, low and fixed incomes and dealing with other vulnerabilities in the face of eviction and, and the ways in which uh, those vulnerabilities can sometimes intersect and, and worsen after uh, being forced to leave their home. And I think just this kind of focus is, um, you know, really important in light of things like an aging society and also just the fact that home ownership is increasingly financially prohibitive for so many people. We keep hearing that you know, many people are starting to sort of realize that perhaps they may never be able to own a home. And so you know, I think in some ways this focus for, for people is, is not just about sort of getting people's housing needs met now and ensuring their housing rights are being upheld now, but to think through what that might mean for you know, future cohorts of older tenants uh, going forward. Well, wow, that's uh, uh, amazing and insightful uh, information. Uh, now, you touched a little bit about one of the drivers, obviously income. And when you think about seniors and older adults too, as costs keep going up, of course, their income is fixed and remains. There's not really the opportunity to, to mm -hmm. kind of grow your, your income. Aside from that, what were some of the other uh, main drivers with evictions with seniors or older adults? Yeah, I think what's sort of interesting out of this work is, is the, the learning that, you know, senior and older tenants can be and are evicted for many of the same reasons as other tenants. So affordability, um, health-related drivers uh, were present uh, in, in those conversations, as well as, you know, what, what we might term sort of market-related or development-led. So things like, you know, the own use, the reno, the demo eviction types. Um, but I think what is sort of unique perhaps to older and senior tenants is the, the sort of nuances of those. 
Um, so for example, you mentioned you know, the, the low and in fixed income uh, challenge transitions from say one's employment years to retirement years are a particular time at which some tenants can become vulnerable to those challenges around paying uh, rent or things like mid or late career unemployment or you know, redundancies. On the health side, uh, we learned that there can be both physical as well as mental health issues that can present other challenges that you know, appear to landlords as, as being non-economic breaches of leases. So for example, if, if someone is perhaps losing um, you know, physical mobility and they're not able to clean and maintain a unit to a certain you know, standard of cleanliness that they used to be able to do, and they don't have the money to pay you know, for someone to come and clean on their behalf, this can present to a landlord as a type of um, you know, non-economic breach of the lease. Uh, similarly, on the, the mental health side, hoarding came up uh, a bit in, in the interviews with service providers as one of those other challenges that, again, to a landlord presents as you know, a health and safety kind of fire risk, but is actually you know, tied to uh, health issues as a type of driver. And then on the, the market side, uh, again, as with uh, some amount of, of other tenants, older and senior tenants are being caught up in things like own use evictions or, or rent evictions, um, and they are seen as particularly vul uh, vulnerable to those types if they have been, especially if they've been long-standing tenants in, in say, older buildings. Um, and in some jurisdictions, uh, for example, in BC, one of the interview uh, participants who was a service provider was you know, indicating that a number of seniors were getting caught up in own use evictions in part because there were low kind of burdens of, of proof to sort of demonstrate that you know, that unit really does need to be taken back for some other you know, occupant. And so these are the kind of main drivers that can be um, present across tenanted populations, but there do seem to be some you know, nuances or, or contours to those that perhaps are unique to older tenants. And of those three, it really was the affordability and the health drivers that were kind of primary. I wonder too, so quite often uh, talking with uh, people in the sector, they talk about uh, tenants, many tenants not even knowing their rights, right? And seniors as well, um, not knowing their rights. So they get an eviction notice and it's like, okay, and they, they don't challenge it, they don't, uh, they just move, right? Yeah. And it may not be, uh, you know, the, the type of notice where you actually have to leave and it's something you can challenge. Was, was that, did that figure into this at all? Or did yeah, you hear that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a, a consistent finding both in this project and the foundational uh, work from last year that you know, there can be, you know, quite big gaps in, in people's knowledge about, you know, even what their housing rights are or even just, how to go about you know, fighting for those rights. Um, some of the, the literature that was reviewed for this project also suggests there could be differences you know, by things like sort of gender, uh, the idea that perhaps men might be a bit more uh, willing to fight for those rights than say some older women. And so there's lots of different layers and I think complexities to you know, being willing and able to fight for your, for your rights. But certainly you know, education, uh, for tenants and, you know, access and just sort of awareness of, you know, what service providers are out there to help you if you should ever be faced with an eviction. Those are, you know, I think consistent um, recommendations that we're seeing uh, across research as, you know, important 
parts of prevention going forward. And that is a great lead into our next question around, you mentioned some recommendations. What were some more recommendations coming out of this report? Yeah, I think sort of broadly, there were you know two main sets of recommendations around you know, advancing and supporting a lot more in the way of, you know, senior specific prevention measures. So that could be everything from, you know, financial assistance for older tenants, um, apartment cleaning services, you know, supports and and funding for the health issues that can complicate, uh, you know, relationships and tenancies. Um, You know, again, training and education and specifically legal education for older tenants so they're just aware of the rights that they can um, fight for. Um, a lot of those services already do exist. It's not that they are you know, completely absent uh, from the housing sector, but what the research team uh, revealed is that there really aren't a lot of organizations that focus specifically on seniors or older adults. And, and a key recommendation was that there needs to be more of these specifically uh, for, for that sort of demographic. And then similarly, on the, the side of tenant support, so thinking about you know, what people might need following or as they're going through an eviction, everything from you know, housing navigators, so a, a, you know, assistance for the search for housing, um, other types of support just for the, to go through a residential move, including things like you know, possession storage and, and relocation. And also, um, you know, one important finding I think that came out of this work is more support for dealing with the, the psychological impacts of eviction and the trauma that people go through when they are forced to leave their home. So just as, you know, mental health issues can be drivers of eviction, they are also kind of impacts or, or outcomes of eviction. And, and that, that trauma can stay with people uh, long after an eviction has taken place, and it can you know, complicate um, even, say, the search for other housing. On the um, a sort of penultimate recommendation was that we simply need a lot more housing for seniors and older adults that's affordable, that's accessible, that's suitable. Um, and again, sort of mentioning the, the deeply affordable, capital A, affordable. This is not, you know, affordable light that we're talking about here. Um, and as a subset of that, need for more senior-focused or older adult-focused shelters and transition homes. So I think those are kind of the three, you know, main uh, sets of recommendations that that came out of this this work. So interesting uh, that you mentioned. I just want to tell you about two things. One thing at Blue Door, uh, what we've done is we have a secondary program for senior men uh, called uh, Forward. And it's neat because, to your point, the needs are different. The access- yep. accessibility is different. The cost, mm-hmm. so we make it affordable, accessible. It's shorter term, uh, but I have to say to you, my team loves working with a senior man. And before, even for emergency, we've separated that. I mean, emergency shelter for men—that's eighteen to, uh, you know, uh, to, to ninety-five. Mm-hmm. As someone who's in their their seventies and. You know, it just, their needs are far different than someone who's 18 years old, right? It's yeah. not a good mix for either group. So there's a reason we, we separate these. Yeah. Um, and I would say the other thing too, is just around uh, some personal experience around rent evictions. I have a sister, uh, she is now 52. She's been in and out of homelessness since she was 16. A lot of trauma, mental health and addictions issues. Uh, in just precarious housing, but a while back, she was rent evicted without really knowing it. She said, you know, mm-hmm. I'm being pushed out, uh, but 
my landlord's such a good guy. He, you know, he's given me $6,000. She was being paid off to move, but didn't, she thought he was just being nice. I said, what did you sign? Well, I signed this form saying that. So, so again, just not having the knowledge um, and, and being a nice person and was kind of, it was too late at that, that point. So she was able to, but struggle to find, she'd been comfortable there. She'd been comfortable with the rent and struggled to find accommodation uh, after that. Um, and not knowing that uh, she was renovated, like so many people have no idea, right? They're, they're trusting and, and thinking, but yes. that struggle afterwards. So, so yeah, this is great, great work. Oh, thank you. And, and yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, what you've just described, um, you know, is a, I guess on a research side, we call that an, an in, informal or cash for keys type of eviction, which uh, there often is no kind of official record of that, but it, it, it sounds like that's also something that's happening to more and more people. So, you know, in terms of the work that we're doing going forward is to try to find ways to close off those data gaps, because that is also, I think, an important part of prevention and a way for, you know, research um, people and policy people to come together and, and try to help, you know, tackle this together. Absolutely. Well, I, thank you for, for sharing today your work uh, and for doing this. And, and I'm sure there's going to be much more work to come. Right now, people, what you, you said that at the beginning, this is just recent work. You travel. If people yeah. want to uh, take a look at the research of the study, where can they go to, to, to see it and share it? Yeah, so it's on our website. If you actually just do a quick search for evictions, focus on seniors and older adults, and you'll see a link to our main tile. Uh, you'll see the research insight, which summarizes the project, but also the full report from the research team. Um, and you'll also find links to other work that we have created around evictions, if that's of interest. So, and I am very sure that there'll be a huge interest around this. If we look at, you know, it, it wasn't until very recently, I think that many of us started paying attention to the prevention piece mm -hmm. of homelessness, right? We were always yeah. reacting to it with emergency prevention and evictions definitely is a huge part of preventing homelessness and this research will be very helpful uh, and those recommendations on, on moving this forward and making sure more people uh, don't experience homelessness. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Well, Julie, thank you so much for coming on the show. If you ever, as you move forward with your research, you're always welcome back. We always love to share great work uh, with our, our sector, with the community. So you're welcome back anytime. But thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you, Michael. Well, listeners, um, so glad we had Julia on to talk about this work. I think that, you know, homelessness, what we talk about on the show uh, and you know, it looks very different for different populations, right? For, for youth and for seniors and for women uh, fleeing violence. And we know that for indigenous people, um, uh, to us LGBTQ plus uh, youth uh, and adults, right? We, we have to have different strategies for different people. And we, we really have to do the, the research around it because it is not a, a one, uh, one solution for all, right? One size fits all for everyone. And so having this type of rich data and research is so helpful uh, for so many of the organizations around Canada working to support seniors and older adults. And I should say, I do believe that is one of the groups, unfortunately, uh, that is the fastest growing in experiencing uh, homelessness. So we, we ha it's important work to do uh, and we have to move forward, as Julie was saying too, not just like uh, kind of lightly affordable, we want that deeply affordable rent geared to income uh, approach to this with 
you know, accessibility and the right supports wrapped around it, of course, right? With every group has their, their specific needs, um, as do seniors and older adults. Uh, very insightful stuff. Check out the report. Go to the website, uh, CMHC's website. Uh, look up evictions for seniors and older adults. Um, you won't be, uh, sorry, it'll be a great use of time for you uh, and perhaps your organization. And another guest, another great guest on the podcast. Uh, we are so fortunate to have so many um, informed and passionate people come on to share their knowledge, drop their knowledge. And I guarantee next week, will not be any different. We'll see you next time on The Way Home. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.